Hey guys, I'm Jen, owner of Hello June Creative. And I'm Esther, owner of Sereth Design. Welcome to Better, the brand designer podcast. We love being transparent, honest, and down to earth on this podcast. We consider you guys such an important part of our episodes. We're all about broadcasting conversations that support our design community, uncovering industry secrets, and offering actionable advice. Just remember, the only designer you need to be better than is the one you were yesterday. Hey guys, welcome back to Better the Brand Designer podcast. Um, Esther and I are super, super excited to welcome Leah Gucciardi from Arc Design Studio to the podcast today. Welcome, Leah. Hi, guys. I'm so excited to be here. Just like shaking out of my boots. (laughs) (laughs) We are so excited to have you. Yes. Uh, This Um, is like a true full circle moment for me because I listened to the Better podcast for like two or three years um, and like talked to Giselle many, many times in the DMs and like just getting to work with you, Jen, and like being here. I'm just like, it's a very universe thank you moment. So, (laughs) so, so happy to be here. It is our ultimate, you know, we're just so grateful that you are giving us your precious time. Um, I actually know Leia, um, actually Esther and I both know Leia from Design Biz Mastery by Morgan Rapp. She coaches currently for that and she coached both of us. Um, so it's so funny that like while you were learning from us, like, you know, we were learning from you and it's just totally. like, it feels very full circle for us as well. So we're really, really grateful for, for your presence. Uh-huh. Thank you guys. That's so nice. Yeah. Okay. So before we officially introduce Leia and I read her bio, we always do our intro question. So Leia, we'll let you go first. What is your favorite thing about your job and what's your least favorite thing about your job? Oh, such a good one. I have to say my most favorite thing is connecting with other people like through the internet. (laughs) Yeah, It's just like, it's just something so wild that like five years ago, me never thought I'd be able to do and would always have to go into an office and just be surrounded by the same, same. So I love that I get to work with people all over the world, like Israel, Australia, everywhere. The least exciting thing is definitely not having someone to give me boundaries and having to make them myself and not work more than I should. (laughs) I feel that on a really deep level. (laughs) (laughs) Esther? Oh, I feel almost like so similar to Leia. Like the favorite thing about my job is also just getting to meet so many people and getting to really connect with people and learn their stories and why they started their business. Like it's so cool to get to dig deep into that. I would say my least favorite thing about my job is really organizing my schedule and creating all of the, like you're wearing so many different hats as a business Mm -hmm. owner and you have to become that project manager and the producer and the design director and every single thing. So I don't love doing all of that. I mean, I think there's joy to be had in bits and pieces of it, but doing so much is a little bit exhausting. How about you, Jen? Yeah, I completely agree with both of you. And I'll give a little bit of a different answer just for some like differentiation. But like, those are both definitely like my top positive and bottom negative, top negative. I don't know. (laughs) Um, I definitely agree. So I'll say my favorite like actual like action that I take like during the day, the workday or the design process. My favorite part of the design process would be 
like creating the mock-ups of the like finalized approved identity and then like seeing all the pieces come together or when a client utilizes something that I've created for them like in a really cool way in the real Mm -hmm. world like window clings I had a, a client create like a custom wood sign for their like building that was like my logo that, that so I designed. Cool. Like it's absolutely insane. So that's probably like my favorite, like a little action of my job. Least favorite is uh, when a client isn't resonating with what I'm making. We actually have a whole episode about this earlier this season. So you guys can go back and listen to it. Um, we talk all about what happens when a client doesn't like your work and what to do about it. Um, but I don't know, my anxiety just goes crazy when I'm someone doesn't like mm-hmm. it and I kind of spiral and, you know, probably least favorite part. Same. Getting to see the final product is always so, so cool. Like seeing all the model cups and everything. I mean, my husband and I right now are trying to renovate our house and I was telling him about my anxiety of going through the process. And it's so related to my process of designing any type of brand or website. I'm like, I kind of hate the process, but I love when it all comes together and you're like, oh my gosh, I did that. Like, it's so freaking cool to see all of it come together. Totally. I actually like have some of the like opposite experience because I don't dabble in a lot of branding. I usually have branding handed off to me and then I run with it. And sometimes some of my clients, like you hand off the site and then months later, they've kind of butchered it, especially when it's in the <laughs> beginning stages of oh my, my career. Gosh. So that is definitely like goals this year is like helping clients to not butcher their branding after the handoff. That's an important part of the process that like, I feel like we don't talk about super often is like, mm-hmm the post, like post-production, you know, it's like, um, it's one of the things that clients really want is they want to be able to implement their brand themselves. But then like, if they're not a designer, like, what does that look like? Especially when we're working with lower budgets, smaller businesses that might not have the like, you know, tens or hundreds to invest in like a full, like sweet, like when Olive Garden rebranded, they didn't just let some random person make the signage, you know, like that was part of their package. Probably. I don't know. I think about the Olive Garden rebrand a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Olive Garden. That's hilarious. Yeah. Well, when they rebranded, a lot of people actually didn't like the new logo because it was very like flat and like digital friendly and people liked the nostalgia. Anyways, that's a whole, we should do an episode about like rebrands that have like, yeah, (laughs) I know like positives and negatives and like, I don't know, we'll have to, we'll put an Instagram sticker out there for you guys. Let's dive in. I'm super excited to introduce Leia officially. Um, I'll go ahead and read her bio. So Leia is the founder and creative director of Arc Design Studio from Toronto, Canada, a Shopify expert boutique studio that works with indie brands in the wellness, health, and beauty space worldwide. She's a self-taught web developer first and a trained graphic designer second who loves being a multi-passionate entrepreneur but resents the unicorn label. After freelancing for 10 years, she launched Arc in 2019 and has found such joy in reconnecting with other designers in education through Shopify and development services for other studios and agencies worldwide. Ask Leia about dancing while upside down and holding her breath and how it relates to her experience with running a business. Uh, I'm laughing because you actually read that out. (laughs) Oh, we read them out. (laughs) I feel like people would love to hear like even a snippet of that story if you would. Uh, Yeah. So my first question is, can I ask you about dancing while upside down, holding your breath and how it relates to your business? (laughs) Yeah. So I used to do synchronized swimming 
throughout almost my entire childhood and a little bit of my like early adulthood, I couldn't find a sport that I liked. And this is all kind of part of my mental health journey. We'll get into a little bit later, but uh, synchronized swimming now known as artistic swimming was like the most stimulating activity and also the most masochistic activity I could have possibly picked because you literally go to a pool and intentionally drown yourself <laughs> while making it look like you enjoy it. And that's kind of like entrepreneurship. Honestly, <laughs> you, yes. <laughs> yeah, you show up every day signing up for pain and torture voluntarily and you have to put a smile on and act like it's all okay. So <laughs> good preparation for that journey. <laughs> I love how real this conversation is going to be because like, I mean, y'all know we talk about the stuff that people don't talk about on Instagram. What we do is hard, guys. Can we just like acknowledge that for a second? <laughs> totally. Moment yes. of silence yeah. for our jobs. I know. <laughs> I'm going to put my hands in a prayer position and close my eyes for a moment. No, that's hilarious, Esther. Oh my gosh. Um, well, that like kind of leads us into learning more, Leah, about your journey from where you started. And I mean, today, our topic, we're going to be talking about owning a business, owning a successful business with neurodivergence. And we'd love for you to like also define what that word means for you and tell us kind of like about your story. So lots of questions. (laughs) So definitely want to preface this by I am not in any stretch of the imagination, a medical professional or Uh, All I can really speak to is my own personal experience and my limited research that I've done as I've kind of discovered this, but uh, neurodivergence is actually a a new term for me as well. Um, And from my understanding of it is anyone who basically has like a neurological disorder or dysfunction or impairment. Um, So like being on the spectrum or being ADHD or dealing with any kind of like mental prognosis from a brain injury or anything like that, that affects your ability to think, respond to situations differently than someone with more like typical function. And so myself, um, I have ADHD, (laughs) but it actually doesn't present as the ADHD that is kind of the stigma that we all know of that kid in second grade that's super hyperactive, kind of dense, can't sit still, you know, interrupts people when they talk and that kind of thing. And actually for most women, it doesn't present that way, which is really interesting. So a lot of people who have ADHD, less than 1% of people who have it are ever diagnosed. And a lot of them are diagnosed when they're adults because they actually realize much later in life, like, you know, this is kind of weird and not really that normal. I should maybe talk to someone about it. (laughs) And so a lot of people get diagnosed when they're in adulthood. um, And then the light kind of goes on of like, oh, that's why childhood was so hard. (laughs) Yeah. The typical school system isn't really built to support that. My little brother has ADHD and so he struggled through school, but he's one of the brightest, smartest people I know. And he's, you know, pursuing a career in computer science now. So yeah, that's something interesting about ADHD is um, from what I understand about it, it actually means that your brain is further developed than some of your peers in some areas like creative problem solving and creative thinking, but underdeveloped in areas like social interaction and being able to respond to situations that put you under stress and use a lot of mental faculties. So yeah, it's really interesting. Um, I'll totally would love to give you guys like links to resources or communities that I have felt very seen by <laughs> that I've discovered recently that might help someone else as well. Yes, please do. We'll include those in the show notes for you guys. 
Yeah, but do you want to jump into um, kind of telling us more about your journey, how you got started, um, where you are now, where you're going? Feel free to frame it in whatever way you want and include whatever details you feel like are interesting or relevant. Cool. I'll try not to get emotional, but the, the unfortunately, the first half of my journey is not really all that of a happy story, unfortunately. And I think, I hope that most people can relate to this, is that a lot of people struggle with a mental disorder that is not diagnosed and that just kind of plagues their life and they don't really know why. That was certainly the case for me. When I was very young, uh, I was very, very active um, because my my dear grandparents, who I love, like, uh, like no other, um, put me in any sport and any extracurricular activity that they could find because my parents just simply couldn't afford it. Um, so I was in skating, swimming lessons, art lessons, uh, singing lessons, um, gymnastics, uh, like anything that they could enroll me in after school to keep me out of my house. Um, they put me in and I was a trained workaholic since I like to say 10 years old because (laughs) I had school and then I had three full-time jobs of extracurricular activities after school. And that was, that was really cool because I just, I think that's really set me up for, you know, uh, really cool experiences I had later on in life and found synchronized swimming, which I mentioned a little bit after that and, uh, kind of helped me get over some hurdles that I would have had more difficulty with otherwise, but being at home was like really, really, really hard. I uh, didn't actually meet my dad until I was 16. And my mom uh, lived with my stepdad, who wasn't really the greatest human, let's just say. They fought all the time, um, very violent, uh, very like mentally, <laughs> physically, spiritually, sexually uh, assaultive kind of disturbances in my life. And so having my grandparents around to kind of keep me out of that environment as much as they possibly could was a real blessing. But on top of that, I also had a really hard time making friends Um, and not like your typical, like, oh, I don't have any close friends at school. Like I legitimately had none or I had a lot of friends that I thought were friends, but were not reciprocal friendships which is actually, I found is fairly typical when you have ADHD is uh, you have like very heightened emotional responses to people, but you don't often pick up on social cues like other people would in terms of like connecting with other people, knowing how to respond to what people say, having no filter at times and saying things that you may not mean and kind of turn other people off and you think is not really a big deal because that's just how your brain works. (laughs) Um, And so... Being in like team sports was great, but uh, when I was 12 years old, I made my first real reciprocal friendship, (laughs) Um, but unfortunately it was with someone who wasn't really a great influence on me. And very long story short, we were going to go to Canada's Wonderland. I had been working with my mom, uh, cleaning houses for really rich people all summer, (laughs) vacuuming floors, mopping, cleaning bathrooms when I was 12 years old to just like make some money to go and have some fun. And this, uh, this girl I was friends with at the time, don't know if she was under the influence of something or she was just going through a phase in her life, but we were going to go and pick up tickets. Um, Canada's Wonderland is kind of like the six flags of Canada, (laughs) if I can kind of explain it that way. But um, we were on our way to pick up tickets and she, out of nowhere, dragged me into the street by my shirt and I got hit by a vehicle going around like 40 to 50 kilometers per hour. 
Um, and I broke both my, of my legs at the exact same time and was in a wheelchair <laughs> and which confined me at home for four and a half months. I couldn't go to school. And yeah, that was just like really, really, really difficult for someone who already was kind of like a social pariah <laughs> in a way um, and had really a lot of difficulty making friends and didn't want to be in a home environment whatsoever. That was probably one of the most difficult things I've ever gone through in my life because I was bedridden for quite some time and uh, also have a lot of chronic pain because of that, because I damaged my spine and I had a head injury. <laughs> um, and yeah, I was in like full length casts for months and months and months. And so that's actually kind of when my early career started, interestingly enough, is I just kind of withdrew from the outside world entirely. And my dad, when I met him for the first time during that period, he came to the hospital and kind of set up a wheelchair ramp in our house and bought me a desktop computer because we had no computer in our home. We like couldn't afford things like that growing up. Um, and I discovered, very nerdily enough, this online game called Neopets. <laughs> I don't know if anyone uh, knows yes. what Neopets is. <laughs> That makes yes. me so happy. I know. <laughs> Literally the nerdiest thing. I discovered Neopets and I like made friends for the first time online, like through, you know, Yahoo chat rooms um, and discovered guilds in Neopets, which I don't know if you ever experienced that, but it was basically like making little mini websites. I like designed spaces for communities essentially to like come and socialize and like have giveaways. And I guess you could say I was kind of like the OG influencer before it was cool. <laughs> oh my so gosh. Like, I love this. <laughs> yeah. I had like a following of like thousands of people and just like, it was kind of like no big deal, but also the biggest deal to me at the time, because uh, I just could not have cared less about schoolwork at that point in my life. And I just put all of my energy into this. And I I learned CSS and HTML when I was 12 years old. It still just like boggles my mind that I like learned how to do that. I taught myself Corel Draw, which is like really dating me, but it's like the first version of Photoshop, <laughs> like Photoshopping and like adding Actually colors. Actually like, OG Photoshop, even before paint, probably. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I was like, paint is not good enough for me. I'm 12 and I need something better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I you would not believe how I like begged my grandma and my mom to buy me a license of Corel Draw, which was like 150 US dollars at the time, which is a lot of money <laughs> for like a 12 year old. My mom's like, What are you doing on this machine? I'm like, I'm making friends and you can leave me alone. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Your parents are probably a little like nervous because <laughs> I, totally. I actually used to spend a ton of time on Club Penguin. Do you guys remember that? Uh, or did yeah. you ever? I literally had like, <laughs> I had a memory of Club Penguin, I feel like last night. <laughs> really? Very oh my gosh. Recently. Yeah. It's like the first like exposure I ever had to like chat rooms and stuff. Obviously it was like super clean because they had like filters. It was, it was on mini clip where you could go play games and like they had like World of Warcraft on there and stuff. So that's what I was thinking of when you're talking about Neopets, Leah. That's so funny. <laughs> Anyone who's oh like gosh. under 25 right now is checking out of our podcast. Yeah. yeah sorry, no guys. We're old. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like like Minecraft is the new era type of like. Oh, yeah. Deal. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 So kind of in that time period, um, I was really starting to kind of develop a lot of like interpersonal issues once I kind of got back to school. 
because I had finally kind of found my footing after finding this like community and felt a bit more confidence after just feeling so like rejected and like isolated for so long that I really kind of put myself out there with a lot of friendships that I thought were friendships growing up, but just weren't reciprocated. And unfortunately that just led to a lot of really intense bullying going through middle school. So I don't know if you guys do this in the U.S., but in Canada, when you reach uh, grade seven or eight, you have like a middle school, like elementary school graduation, essentially. It's kind of like a little like 13-year-old prom, (laughs) which is really funny. At that point, it was like kind of devastating because the doctors, I had a plate and pins in my left leg to like heal one of my broken legs from this accident. And they were going to take it out a week before this graduation. And I was like, had my first crush on a boy and like all of those things. But uh, this girl who I grew up with actually made a website about me, a very brutally vicious website where she was telling me that I should go get hit by a bus next time and die. And this boy that I liked, like I was flat chested and like just all of these like really awful, terrible things. And I don't know what she was going through in her life, but obviously was projecting a lot of that on me and just I kind of ended up in a bit of a spiral. During that point in my life, I uh, set a date on the calendar to try and commit suicide. Yeah, just uh, that was really, really brutal. And I didn't really have a lot of support at that time in my life. um, And also didn't really have access to proper medical care. So a lot of these like issues that kind of were underlying were actually misdiagnosed as uh, clinical depression when I was 13. And so if you know anything about ADHD, you can't actually take (laughs) a lot of antidepressive medication when you have ADHD because a lot of antidepressants are stimulants and you need stimulants um, sometimes if you have specific presentations of ADHD and they can actually affect areas of your brain that you are already deficient in. And so my condition just kind of got worse and then it got better. And then I was just like, I am not a person on uh, these drugs. So I'm just, I'm just not going to do this anymore. And kind of got out of that a little bit and thankfully was able to, I eventually had to move schools and all that stuff. So kind of fast forward a couple of years. um, I was at that time where I needed to apply for schools and I had just no idea what I wanted to do in, in life because Everything was boring, but everything was hard and interesting at the same time, uh, which is something that like people with ADHD may experience where you need a ton of stimulation to be interested or like involved in anything. You tend to be withdrawn in class, even though you might be like a high performer and leave things until the very last minute for everything in life because you need the stress of impending doom deadline to get anything done and then cram all night and excel at your exam or whatever it is that you're doing, which is still something that I struggle with like managing (laughs) as a professional now. But yeah, it was really interesting because graphic design kind of fell into my lap because I was in fine arts and also was like very adept at using computers. Um, So I got into a, a fine arts program for graphic design in British Columbia, which was kind of perfect for me because I was able to physically remove myself from that very 
toxic environment that I was kind of living through um, and kind of start my life from scratch over on the other side of the continent. So kind of through school, I knew that I was more adept than some of my classmates were because we got to the web design portion of our curriculum. There were classes where I was teaching people how to code CSS. People didn't understand the concept of a float. And I was like, or a clear fix or like things like that. Um, and so I was like helping tutor people like doing their like CSS Zen garden <laughs> in school, which was pretty wild. And I got a job the day of graduation. I'll never, I'll never forget that. I like got to go to my graduation saying like, I got a job in the industry, <laughs> which was so cool. And so, you know, fast forward 10 or so years and here we are and now I'm running my own business. Um, and yeah, I think it's just like a lot of, struggle and strife, but in a way prepared me for <laughs> this journey of entrepreneurship, because like I said, it's, it's masochism 101 <laughs> showing up every day. So true. I have two things to say to that. And first of all, the first thing is just, thank you for sharing your story. It's so powerful to hear just kind of where you came from. And I know it's not easy to share. And I, I know that there's a lot of things that have built up over time. And I just think it's so, so empowering to hear you share your story. And I know that it's going to resonate with so many people. I mean, myself included, I don't have ADHD, but I struggle with mental health. And it's, it's hard to be a human in this world and feel like you have to live up to so many different things. So first, I just wanted to share that I'm so thankful that you are here with us. Thank you, sir. And second, it's just so freaking cool to see how far you've come. <laughs> like even from you saying that you were teaching kids in your college classes, like how freaking awesome is that to be <laughs> proud of where you are and how much you learned even in that hard time when you felt like a loner? Like it's, it's really not easy. And to see where you are now in your business and arc and everything is just really, really powerful. And I think it's really inspiring. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, I think there are a lot of people who might see their background or their family history or their circumstance as something that eliminates their potential and keeps them from achieving something similar to what we do. But through your superpower of vulnerability, which I said before we started recording, you are going to impact so many people by showing them that like all, just all the things that you've overcome in your past. And so I just, I just want to say how grateful we are that you're here, your beautiful self, and that like you are like opening up and, and sharing some of these really, really hard things with our audience and community. And I know it's going to resonate with a lot of people. So thanks. Yeah. And I know that we just met, but I just feel like I know you really well. And I'm just oh. so proud of you. <laughs> uh, that's so kind of you to say, thank you so much. It means a lot to me. Lot I to wish me. we were like recording in person, maybe in the future when we have like a better podcast studio, we can just like do a group hug, but like, Oh, that would be so fun. Know. Yes, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, I do want to like eventually like, you know, link up and stuff like Esther and I are going to do a photo shoot next year and stuff like as things open up, like I think it would be so cool to like travel around and like, like, I don't know, Morgan's talking about doing a retreat. Like, I don't know. I think 
meeting in person would be fun. Sign me but up. Like, Sign me I up. I know. I know. We're all craving that. Um, I'm going to let you know next time I come to Canada, which will probably be in a few months. Well, <laughs> hope that the restaurants will be open because we are in our fifth, sixth, I don't even know, lockdown <laughs> where we oh can go out for food. And it's so cold outside. You go outside and your nose hairs freeze as soon as you step out the door. So maybe don't come in January. <laughs> Summer, then you'll have better luck. (laughs) Well, I have a question. I'm just curious. Like, I know you shared a lot about just the hard times going, like, as a kid growing up and your family situation, which is unbelievable. But when you transitioned into your business and launched ARC, or like even before that, how did you kind of work through those hard, low moments of? your mental health and just really understanding who you are and who you are as a business owner as well. Yeah. There were so, so many moments this year that were so rewarding and so difficult, like things that I honestly thought I wasn't going to be able to overcome just with like the panini and everything, (laughs) just amplifying and being a sole proprietor just is very isolating in itself. And so I knew before I even really dove in head first that I needed a community to surround myself with and just people to talk to and relate to because really, honestly, that was the only thing that got me through life in general, even before I started my business was just having that one person who made you feel seen and you could bounce an idea off of or just make you feel like confident and validate you in the crazy decisions that you were making. And so really like getting started was like joining Design Biz Mastery last uh, last May, not the May of 2020, 2020. Yeah, <laughs> 2020. However you say that word. Uh, it's yeah, like what so year far is away. It? Uh, 2022, <laughs> like, I don't know. They're all the same <laughs> in the pandemic. Yeah, exactly. It was kind of at that point where I had been freelancing for so long because I just was so tired of corporate life. Um, I worked for a software development company right out of school for seven years. And that was a great experience. It was like basically developing Shopify stores for other designers and my own designs, but they didn't have the capital funding that Shopify did, even though their software was better. It was just the backend was just hideous. So no one wanted to use it. But uh, I also worked for an very, very large international agency working with like banks and uh, telecom companies and then went and worked for my dream company, which I thought was just going to be like my job forever. I was like signed up for life um, for Chapters Indigo, which is kind of like the US equivalent of Barnes and Noble, um, but they also sell a lot of like home goods and lifestyle products. And I was just like, this is it. (laughs) And then the pandemic happened and all those relationships just kind of fizzled out a little bit, unfortunately, just because I, I really didn't put in the effort I should have to maintain them. And so I was like, this is the time to just go all in on freelancing. And uh, when I joined Design Biz Mastery, I think I was making probably 30000 on the side. And it was like scraping the bottom of the barrel to get that amount of work, even though I knew what I was doing. But that was kind of the moment where I was like, okay, I'm going to make this happen. And I believe in myself and I know I can do it. I just need someone to help me with the business acumen and like selling. And that's when things really took off. And six months later, after kind of coming out of that program, I 
launched ARC and it's just been like the trajectory once I actually like believed in myself and was like ready to just like say like, yeah, I'm going to make it happen or I'm not going to have a place to live. So let's go. (laughs) Um, And that'll motivate you. (laughs) Yeah. And we broke multiple, multiple six figures this year and I'm starting going to incorporate and have my first full-time hire. And I'm just so beyond grateful and like blessed to be in this position, but yeah, definitely like not to be Morgan's fangirl, but like she's like a hundred percent like the game changing factor of like where I am now. I think yeah. all of us are Morgan's fangirls. So <laughs> this is now <laughs> like a Morgan Stan uh, podcast. <laughs> Morgan Stan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I love it. Um, I, I mean, you guys can learn more about Morgan's course, Design Biz Mastery. We, we talk about it all the time. Information about that will be in the episode description. And now, Leah, you coach as part of that program. Tell us what that experience has been like for you. So crazy. Like coaching has always been part of my life. Like I I mentioned, like I was coaching people in my university level class, but I also coach synchronized swimming and I was the head coach of a club in BC for a year and a half, almost two years. I've coached under the wing of like Olympian coaches in synchronized swimming. And so I honestly didn't really ever think that would happen, but Morgan reached out to me just because she's just that kind of generous human and was like, I need someone who can relate to my students a little bit more who has like, you know, made that leap recently. I've been doing this for 10 plus years and would you like to be a co-coach? And I was just like flabbergasted. I was like, me? (laughs) Like, what? (laughs) Yeah, like hell yeah. And so that's really, that was really cool. Cause I feel like I have come out of my shell a lot more and just like had developed a lot more self-compassion and like, yeah, like I know what I'm talking about and like, I might not always know the way, but if I can help other people get there with less strife, then like sign me up. I'm here for it. <laughs> Your comments responses in the threads in the Facebook group are second to none. I have never seen such supportive, value-giving, transparent, like just willingness to help and see others succeed and like lift other people up. And that is just a testament to who you are. And I can tell how much fun you have doing it too. It's so fun. It's so fun. When people post their wins, I'm like, you don't see me in my office, but I'm like, yeah, girl. <laughs> we need a gif of Leia like doing yeah. the like the wind dance or something so that we can like post it. That's so funny. It also makes me so happy to hear like you say, yeah, I don't think that I know what I'm doing, but I guess I do. I'm like, yes, you do. You know exactly what you're doing. You have like so many, so much experience and it's cool to see that translate into coaching and encouraging. I think encouragement is the biggest thing because a lot of designers out there, they just don't have anybody who is like their cheerleader who needs to be able to be there to support them and really get excited when they have wins or even when they have low moments because we all do. But yeah, just to hear you say that, I'm like, you have so much experience. All of us do, even if we don't know it. But especially like being a business owner, like don't think people really know how much validation that you need in every day. Like you have to make so many decisions on a daily basis. Like today was one of those days for me. I had like a call with a lawyer about incorporating. I had a one-on-one with my longest contractor about potentially becoming full-time. And like, meanwhile, I'm like running all these numbers in my head and my brain is 
cooking. Like it's hot. It's cooking inside my head. (laughs) And there's just some days where I'm like, this is not going to work. I can't do this. And then I'll pop on Voxer and Morgan be like, Leah, what are you talking about? <laughs> so good. I'm like, okay, thank you. I needed to hear that. <laughs> when you said your yeah. head was hot, I imagine just like, you know how your computer kind of whirls and it's like, that is literally my brain. Up. Mm-hmm. But then also I think about like, I used to work in corporate and I used, and I used to think about like the people who were CEOs or like the CCOs who are way up there. And I'm like, they don't care about their job. They're not even trying, but like they're trying so freaking hard. <laughs> and not because I look at myself in the same way and I'm like, no, I'm doing the most that I can do. Mm-hmm. And so are all of us. That has been like the biggest shift for me. Like this year is moving from the doer into the creative director is like yeah. this really weird <laughs> imposter syndrome where you're like, everyone thinks that I'm doing nothing, but like my calendar is time blocked every minute of the day, weeks in advance. And like, thank God I got over the scaries, the Sunday scaries because yeah, <laughs> it's just a whole different ball game when you have people in your business that you have to direct is like crazy. I think the Sunday scaries are different when you are your own business owner too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's like, I'm scared of myself. I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, oh my gosh, <laughs> I was thinking of it more in like a negative way, but <laughs> I like that positive spin. <laughs> no, it's like, what is going to happen tomorrow? And like, what am I going to be disappointed about? I don't know. I, I definitely struggle with that a little bit. Um, and so that actually like, I have an, a question that I didn't write on the outline, but we're going off topic, guys. Um, Leah, I would love to know about kind of like energy management. And I know that like, especially when you're, you know, when you're dealing with, you know, neuro- neurodivergence and your mental health, like there are good days and there are bad days. And I want to, I want, I would love for you to tell our listeners kind of about how you manage those fluctuations in energy and kind of how you roll with your body and your mind while you have schedule a schedule and you have deadlines and you have a work day and a work week and clients and quarters and, and kind of more of the like structure of the way the world runs. Yeah, absolutely. I would say like, first and foremost is that like every day is a new day with a new challenge and pressures and stresses on your mind and body that you could not anticipate. (laughs) And so having things that ground you and that bring you joy and make you feel some sort of rest or gratitude for the process, which we were just talking earlier about like the process just not being enjoyable sometimes. It's just the reality of entrepreneurship is like so essential. And like that can look like so many things. But for me, early on in the pandemic and early on in my first year of business, I had the the blessing of having my partner, who's now my fiance, here with me all the time. And uh, I actually just learned a term recently that has a lot to do with people who suffer from ADHD is body doubling. And people being labeled as like really needy (laughs) um, when you're in relationships because you have this like sense of comfort and independence that you don't have when you're all by yourself because thoughts can just be so overwhelming that like your mental capacity, you can just kind of shut down and not be able to do the most basic things like make a sandwich (laughs) or like open the fridge and stand there for 30 minutes being like, there's nothing to eat. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the fridge is full. And so I actually learned like really late on that I had to create grounding rituals for myself just to be able to prime my mind and body to make decisions throughout the day because 
as someone with ADHD, you have a lot, um, you have kind of reduced ability to hold things in short-term memory. And you also have a reduced decision-making threshold. So I don't know if you've ever listened to the Tim Ferriss Show podcast, but I was obsessed with the Tim Ferriss Show podcast for the longest time because morning routines is just something I never had in my life. It's not something that like my parents instilled with me and just hearing about really high-performing people like Fortune 500 company owners, like Ironman athletes, like book writers, and what they do in the morning to like put themselves in a state of like stasis and being ready to work and do their best. They have it down to a science. (laughs) There's a lot of overlap with like what people do. And it's usually like, I make a green smoothie or like oatmeal. Like they have something simple, plain, where there's no decision-making required in terms of food, in terms of what order they like do their basic hygiene in the morning. And so creating that in my life in the last year has been really, really pivotal for my ability just to function on a daily basis. So for me, that looks like waking up and like snuggling with my boyfriend, now fiance, (laughs) for a half hour with with our dog, which we adopted for the specific reason that I would get out of the house and go for walks. Because in early pandemic, when we were in full like, lockdown where you could not leave your house except to go to groceries. I was like, I need a reason to go outside. So we adopted a dog so I could leave the house and she's now my entire world. Um, so walking my dog for around an hour every morning and every evening um, while listening to a podcast, journaling, and then a brain dump of like, I live and die by my list. <laughs> and for people like Jen, like we work together on a project and like, I think that my lists are like fairly outrageous and a little bit overwhelming for some people. And that's totally fair. But if I don't have my list, chances are I will forget something and it'll be something critical. And I forget things left, right, and center. That's also an ADHD thing (laughs) because you have very limited short-term memory. And so, yeah, just like knowing exactly what I'm going to do for the day kind of like mentally prepares myself. So it's like that synchronized swimming thing. Like I know I have to hold my breath for 45 seconds while running a marathon and okay, here we go. (laughs) Do it willingly. So yeah, just finding that grounding routine is just like priming your body for the stress you're about to put it through. Mm, That's That's super interesting. I, that also really leads well into the next question that we have is what do you wish you could tell designers today who are neurodivergent? I'm just like so interested in how you've managed to set your lists really well and be really intentional with your days. And I'm curious if there's that, but also other ways that you have used to kind of manage your time well as a designer and as a business owner. Yeah, I would say to people who might be like struggling with how their brain works, whether they're diagnosed or not, is to, at some point you have to get out of this like negative cycle that you put yourself in because when you have a a mental disorder, it begets other mental disorders like depression and things that just make it worse. And so finding the positives and the lessons in everything I think is just like one of the biggest shifts you can possibly make. And there's so many tools to help you get there. But if you're someone who's like self-isolating, there's nothing more important that you could possibly do than to reach out for help from others, specifically mental health counseling. And I have been on a journey of trying to find a therapist and I finally found someone who I connect with literally just last week. She was finishing my sentences on the call and I felt 
so seen and heard. And it was just like the most incredible experience to just like have an outlet for all those things that I felt like I was burdening others with and have her be like, yeah, I can see why you feel that way. That totally makes sense. Here's a way that you can kind of manage that. And like, let's talk about that more deeply later. And I actually feel really excited to go to my next therapy session, which is something I never thought I would say, (laughs) to be honest. And so I would say like, you know, all of the challenges that you've gone through, like, girl, you have some grit, you know, to get through all of that and be on the other side and like not be in a gutter somewhere, like abusing drugs or like something like that. Like, and I'm sure you have someone in your in your family or your extended friends who has like been a pillar and a rock for you and to just like lean on them and not don't withdraw because withdrawing is like the worst thing that you can possibly do. I'm still learning how to (laughs) reach out to the people who love me is like a daily battle, but yeah, just like don't isolate and lean on the people and get help if you need help. I love all of that. And I think, I don't know, human beings just were meant to live in community with each other. Like our brains are just hardwired for that. And I think that's why so many of us struggled during the pandemic, especially people who didn't live with partners, because there's a part of our brain that lights up when you are in person in the room with someone else talking and connecting. And I think for women, even more so just, we have unique struggles and challenges, whether you're a mom or not. Um, And then being a business owner, also being neurodivergent, you know, like there is a tribe out there for everybody. And we hope that you join our Facebook group, um, facebook.com slash better brand designer, because we are a tribe of designers and and web web developers and and, and creatives that are kind of supportive of each other and are, are there for each other. But I love that that's kind of the top thing that you shared, because I don't know what I would do if I didn't have you guys and Voxer and texting my friends. Like it is just, it would be so lonely. So if you're there, send me a DM, send Leia a DM, send Esther a DM. Like, let us be there for you. You are not bothering us. (laughs) I would be to get a DM from someone. (laughs) Same. Oh, yeah. What a good feeling. All three of us. I had another thought too, like to layer on top of that. I think that some people may be a little bit nervous to kind of reach out to a lot of people. And it's, it is this opening thing. You have to be very vulnerable to reach out to a lot of people or to post in a Facebook group. I think that's okay. I think that something I want to encourage people is that it's okay to just find one person yeah. that you really connect with. It doesn't have to be one of us three. I mean, I would love it if it was one of us three, but if it's somebody else that you just really like connected to, just find one person who kind of gets where you're coming from, is lives in your world a little bit, understands where you're coming from and, and can have those conversations that are hard and you can share your struggles with as a designer, as a business owner, as a human just that one person can really change your whole life. Yeah. One thing that's like, I wish that I knew sooner is that the people I was relying on didn't always have the space to hold me in that way. And what I mean by that is they themselves were going through something hard or didn't have the mental capacity to have empathy for what I was going through. And so a therapist 
is literally there to hold space for all of the feels. (laughs) And you don't have to hold back. And I think that's really what the beauty of like therapy does is giving you that space that you need to unleash and unpack and and intellectualize all of these things so you can make your own action plan and coach yourself through it. That's the best gift therapy can give you is like giving you tools to cope. Like that's all you need just, just to get day by day if you're in that spot. And people who are trained to help you get there are the only people who can get you there. Totally. And it's educational and it builds on, on it as well. It's like equipping you with this I don't know, armor or tools or whatever word you want to, you want to use to be able to handle a situation in the future. I went to a therapist for a few sessions when I was dealing with a really difficult client situation last year. And she gave me such amazing tools that even though I went only for a few sessions and I feel like I got what I needed from that engagement, I still use some of the techniques that she taught me today to deal with intrusive thoughts or repetitive thoughts, um, to separate thoughts about myself and to recognize when I'm feeling feelings of guilt, especially around being a mom and stuff like that. So I think it is like, it's a learning experience too, for, for you to learn how to, how to be there for yourself in a way, I guess. Totally. Something that like I've been going through is like Therapy is like a, it's a lifelong journey, especially if you're dealing with something and like deep rooted trauma. It's not like you can just deal with it and be like, I'm fixed and I'm done because something will happen like life does and you can backslide, which I've definitely experienced this year. And so it's like really like a a lifelong thing because you as a person, as you grow up, will need different coping mechanisms or things like a pandemic will happen and your coping mechanisms no longer stand. (laughs) Mine was going to the gym and that's literally not even an option right now. I have carved out a two by four space on the floor for just my yoga mat and I will probably punch a hole through my TV, (laughs) but you got to make it work. But a therapist is the only person who can give you those other tools in your toolbox to pull out when you really need them. I love this conversation so much and I think it's going to resonate with so many people. Um, Let's shift a little bit into learning a little bit more about Shopify and the resources that you have that you are starting to kind of jump more into education for designers, your course. I want to hear about white label Shopify services um, and anything else that you think might be of value to our audience. (laughs) Oh, where to start? Would you like me to start in a specific spot? Maybe give us kind of like a couple, like a little bit of like an overview of kind of your experience with Shopify and then kind of like why you decided to start the Codex and what you hope the impact of it will be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I have been developing Shopify sites for five, almost six years now. And it's actually crazy because my first client was a Shopify Plus client and I had to go in for an in-person interview and I was like, you know, they're making millions of dollars. Like at Shopify plus is like their enterprise tier where you have to pay $2,000 a month just to be on the platform. So you better be making bank. (laughs) Um, And so I took them on as my first client and we had a, a monthly retainer and I just really threw myself into the fire and thank God I had all the experience that I did because it was a pretty easy transition into it after kind of knowing how to code. But once I opened up my own design studio and kind of got more into the wider community, also through Morgan's course, Amplify Shopify, which I took 
And she asked me to kind of uh, basically consult students when she went on mat leave while they were taking the course last time that she launched it. And I just like realized like they had a lot of questions that there was no material out there that was covering to be able to do like really simple things that like designers were paying thousands and thousands of dollars and heartache and like lost business and stress just to like change a color or do a really simple layout change. Because honestly, unless you have a lot of experience in Shopify code in liquid, it's not very straightforward <laughs> like at all. I can attest to that. I can attest yeah. to that. <laughs> if you know some CSS, you could definitely get by with like template. But as soon as you want to go beyond a template, like good luck. <laughs> There's like a Skillshare course out there. But even in the first like five years, I really had to spend so much time Googling, watching videos, trial and erroring, and like almost taking down some client sites in the very early days and like potentially putting myself in like a situation where I was liable for lost sales And I just kind of quickly realized like this more advanced level stuff isn't taught at this deep level. And it certainly isn't taught by women. (laughs) Good luck finding a single tutorial out there that is led by women and just women in general, especially if you're neurodivergent, you just think and explain things differently and women take in information differently and women need community. And not everyone is like, okay, with just being thrown into the fire on a project in like sink or swim. So knowing that I had a coaching background and I was growing my business at the time, I actually started all of these videos as like a standard operating procedure for the developers that I was bringing on to do these projects for me because I couldn't even find anyone who was qualified, who didn't want like $6,000 plus for a really simple site to do simple things. So I found some qualified developers. I started teaching them and I was like, you know, if these people can learn this, I should sell it to other people. And so I released my course. Actually, funnily enough, Giselle inspired me to do that. The the recording you guys did of like behind Giselle's 10K launch, I listened to that and I was just like, I don't know if I was in a manic state or what, but I outlined my entire course on my phone. I put it out into the world. I had got in touch with a couple of people and I broke 10K on my first launch from literally an email. <laughs> yes, having, girl. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> and I reached out to Giselle and she just gave me like just the kindest words of advice and just like good luck vibes. And I just put it out into the world and it's kind of just become bigger. Unfortunately, I didn't finish it in the time I wanted to because pandemic and mental health, but I'm so excited because I am actually going to be re-releasing it in February and the course is going to grow. We're potentially going to have like real coaching, code reviews, demo projects, the course material itself, like my wiki I've built. I use it myself in my business because the way that the Shopify documentation is so confusing. (laughs) It's just, I don't know who can read this, but it's Greek. (laughs) Um, So I'm really excited to put that back out into the world. And I really am not motivated by making money. I just like, I actually use it to train people that I would hire. So like, if you finish the course and you're good at it, like I might hire you like legitimately. (laughs) It's like so desperate for people who know how to do this. So yeah, so uh, Shopify Codex is my first program. I'm sure there will be more. I actually might even split it up into design only Shopify 
and development only Shopify because my background is actually in UX design at these agencies and chapters I was working with. I was on the product experience team. So working on a very large organization's e-commerce store. And I learned a lot of methodologies that I've really simplified down to help designers offer very deeply strategic website design processes. And then, yeah, because I learned how to code when I was 12, when like my dumbass 12 year old brain can do it. You certainly can. (laughs) I I am so freaking excited for you. This is going to be awesome. For one, I need to learn Shopify. So I think I'm going to have to join And then two, I was just curious, what are the benefits of Shopify? Like, why do you choose Shopify over anything else? Yeah. So I think that what's really interesting about Shopify is they've made it an experience for merchants specifically. It's not like WordPress or Squarespace where e-commerce has been like an afterthought shoehorned in. It's really e-commerce first driven. So Any business owner who really cares about managing a catalog or having analytics really about the financial health of their business, being able to manage inventory, and then also just the open sourceness of how Shopify is built. Their app library is just insane. Like you can really do almost anything on Shopify. Now, I do have a beef to pick with some app developers because adding some apps really degrades the management experience if they just kind of go rogue. But (laughs) I mean, otherwise, like it's kind of open season when you go on Shopify. But I think that it's still too expensive to develop custom experiences. And the everyday person who is bootstrapping their business cannot afford to go to an agency and pay 50, 60K plus as a starting rate to have a beautiful online store. And so kind of my goal is to like make the codex kind of like, honestly, my benchmark is Rachel from uh, Square Stylist. I joined her course because I thought for a hot minute I was going to have to offer Squarespace to some clients and like, man, her course is next level. Like she's insane. Is, I'm in that course right now. And I it's am outstanding. just blown away. Like just, I don't even, it's mind boggling how much time and effort has gone into that. Like that is my yardstick of like what I want this to be. And I'm definitely along the way there. Um, so Rach, if you're listening, you're a God. <laughs> it's like incredible. We need to have her on, honestly, you to do. talk about her course. You do. She transformed my life when it came to Squarespace in the same way that I expect once I do, because I am going to sign up for your course, will transform my life with Shopify too. Yeah. So I think like another thing too is like learning the skills of how to code made me a lot of a better designer. I might not be like the most out of the box visual thinker like some designers are. I've met Many people actually through my white label service where I develop Shopify sites for other designers or design agencies who like, man, their brain is just like different (laughs) and like layout design. And it's just so cool. It's like the most rewarding thing to bring someone else's idea to life, like something that literally did not exist. And you can talk to a computer and make it a real living thing that people can buy products from and they'll just show up at your door. Like, What? That's so cool. (laughs) 
the world of e-commerce is like really insane. I've, I've been listening to another favorite podcast of mine, How I Built This with Guy Raz from NPR. Listen to uh-huh. it, guys. It's amazing. It's all about founders of like really well-known companies and their journeys to success. Um, and he talks a lot about the e-commerce revolution um, kind of over the past 30 years and how that's completely changed like world commerce. And Shopify is such a big part of that. And so it feels really exciting to be able to be like, hey, like, these really big brands use Shopify. I was even on two discovery calls today and they, you know, they need e-commerce. And I was able to say like, yeah. I would recommend Shopify because it's just industry standard nowadays. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like- And there's and- like so many niches you can explore too. Like I've kind of fallen into literally just serving supplement brands, like startup supplement brands. That's been like a huge trend um, with everyone in lockdown and everyone's so hyper-focused on their, on their wellness. But like, I have more inquiries- that I can keep up with. I'm like referring people to others, left, right, and center, like farmers who want to be able to offer their organic produce for pickup on location. Really weird things too, like people who are selling like bits and bobs for keychains. It's just like things that I would not even imagine are available. And like people are putting them out there and people want to be on Shopify. Like that's like a deal breaker for them. Like Squarespace, nah. You know, especially if they have a catalog that's deeper than maybe 20 or 30 products and they have have variants, you know, I think there's a place for like, oh, digital downloads and stuff for like Mm -hmm. Squarespace commerce. But as soon as you start getting into deep catalogs and variants and stuff like, man, Shopify is just the way to go. We love Shopify. (laughs) And there's room for everyone. I think that's the beauty of it is because the demand for these services is bigger than the people there are to serve it. So, yeah, I I mean, I this year I made a decision to outsource all of my e-commerce just because it's like, I love Shopify, but it's not like where my brain best works. And so it's like people like Leia and other studios that provide Shopify services. I'm like, y'all, <laughs> I need to like, like get you guys to do, take on this project for me because like, I'm going to refer it to you, you know, like it's, it's definitely like a really big booming industry and I'm getting more and more. Shopify and e-commerce inquiries as well. That's so cool. Yeah, it's like, it is really fun. I think I think e-commerce is just like, it's a whole other animal in and of itself. We could do a whole podcast about marketing whole sites podcast. versus e-commerce. It's a little scary for me just because like you are taking on a lot more risk of like, this is how someone literally makes their money. Whereas like a marketing site is about exposure. Yes. It's a little easier to like show mm-hmm. data about impacts, positive or negative. But, but I think there's excitement yeah, there too of like you are literally is, yeah. touching somebody's business. You are actually partnering with them as opposed to just giving them the stuff that they can yeah. do on their own. Yeah. What's cool about it too is that it's a bit of an easier sell, to be honest, because I feel like there's maybe this is just me projecting, but I feel like there's a lot more no code tools out there and things like Squarespace where people just assume they can do it themselves. And like a lot of people, know that they can't do Shopify themselves the way that they want. So I think that there's just so much opportunity for like small studios to like really get in the game and like make it an entirely different industry, like truly. All right. Well, check out Shopify guys. (laughs) We'll include information about that in the episode description. Um, And Leah, do you just want to quickly, before we jump into our inbox question to wrap up the episode, share with our audience about how people can find you and connect with you? Yeah. So I love Instagram. So definitely send me a DM. My handle right now is at Arc Shopify Studio. That's Arc with a Q. And my website is arcdesign.studio. 
And you can also email me hello at artdesign.studio. I seriously wish that I, I feel like we could go on for like another two hours. Um, unfortunately, I have a big, <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> you guys can't. I've got a toddler outside of this door that has been saying mama apparently over and over again this afternoon. It's one of three words he can say. And uh, oh. I'm being summoned. <laughs> so you guys know, we always like to wrap up our episode with a listener question. And so in the interest of time, I think we're just going to have Leia answer this question. Um, and I'm sure Ooh. we'll both agree with everything that she says. But um, Headlands Creative asks, what is the best way to overcome imposter syndrome? Oh, <sighs> you know what? Imposter syndrome is something that is going to creep in every time you up level. Morgan like taught me like new level, new devil. <laughs> just like never, never been so true, but imposter syndrome, especially with, with women is, um, kind of all in your head. And when you actually think that like people think you don't know what you're doing and they're going to find out it's because you actually do know a lot about what you're doing and you're putting so much pressure on yourself to perform at such a high level. You like kind of have unreasonable expectations. (laughs) of your own performance and just to like chill a little bit and like not coast, but I don't think everyone expects you to be some superhuman. And if you do excel, people will will just be like delightfully surprised if anything. So I think just be kinder to yourself and like give yourself more credit than credit is due. Like, I think I'm prime example of that where I'm like, what me? Like all the time. I remember walking into an agency and having like crippling, (laughs) crippling um, imposter syndrome and like then kind of realizing that like I was a little bit better than some of my peers who were maybe ahead of me pretty early on. And I was like, oh, (laughs) like (laughs) it's just all just psychosomatic. (laughs) Love that answer so much. Esther, do you have any other thoughts? I mean, I have an answer that is related to that, but... Okay, yeah, sure. The way that I feel like I've overcome imposter syndrome is a little bit different. Um, I know, like, right now, so many of us are kind of just watching digital agencies. So you're always on Instagram, Mm -hmm. you're socializing, and you see all this incredible work that people put out. And don't get me wrong, I feel like that is a good thing to see what other people are doing. But one thing that I've been realizing that works for myself is quite frankly, unfollowing people that make me feel stressed out because yes, I think that they are incredible designers, but they give me anxiety. They make me feel like I have to be better than who I am. And at the end of the day, like what I create is my magic and it's awesome. But when I see other people, it gives me anxiety. It stresses me out and I don't want to see it. So I will either unfollow them or I will mute them. And that is the way that I've been able to overcome it for my own personal sanity. Um, That's not to say that you'll never like have imposter syndrome again, but it's a way that I've been able to manage it a little bit. The mute button too is magical. Oh, the the mute mute button. button Yeah. Magical. (laughs) Oh yeah. (laughs) So true. Love it. Oh my gosh, guys. Thank you, Leia, so much for being here with us again. I think this is just, we're, we're going to look back on this episode and be like, wow, this is definitely one of the most powerful episodes that we've recorded. And I know that this is going to touch so many people's lives. Um, Even if, you know, the goal that Giselle and I started out when we started this podcast was to help 
one person. And, you know, now I'm happy to say we've helped more than one, but I think like, even if there's one person out there that listens to this, like this podcast episode and you sharing your story, Leah, that could be the reason why someone's life takes a different trajectory. And like, just think about the power of that and the impact that you have through this podcast and through everything that you've built and all of your experiences and all of like the dark times. And I feel like, I don't know, I just, I'm so grateful for your presence and I want you to know like just how much I value you as a friend and as a colleague and how much I look up to you. Um, And yeah, just had to have a love fest moment. Giselle and I always had love fest moments. And so (laughs) I know that she's here with us right now saying and echoing everything that I'm saying. So thank you so much, Leah, for sharing your story and for being so vulnerable and so open with us and all of our listeners. Well, thank you guys for giving me that platform. I I'm like beyond honored. Jen, thank you so much for saying just such kind things. I'm honored to be your friend and Esther. I can't wait to get to know you better either. Yay. Agreed. Okay. Well, we will see you guys in next week's episode. Thanks Leah again. Um, and yeah, we'll, we'll see you guys. Bye everybody. Bye. We hope you enjoyed today's conversation. Subscribe wherever you're listening to make sure you don't miss an episode. And we'd be forever grateful if you left us a review on Apple Podcasts. We bet you got designer friends who'd enjoy it too, so share it with them. If you'd like to submit an inbox question for us to answer on air or want to get in contact with us directly, email us at inbox at betterbranddesigner.com. If you love these conversations between designer friends and would like to support us, you can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash betterpodcast. Our Facebook community is one of the most positive, supportive, and fun groups we've ever been a part of. We'd love for you to join us. So search for Better, the Brand Designer Podcast on Facebook. And visit us online at betterbranddesigner.com to learn more about our podcast and snag major discounts on our favorite resources. Special thank you to our producer, John, from Wayfair Recording Co. See you guys again next week.